Ooh, God is so, so, so good, isn't he? Wow, amen. Last week, I was 100% responsible for our service going long. It might be about 50% responsible this week. So, good. But I'm very curious, who here has already decorated for Christmas? Raise your hand. That's right, okay. If you weren't here last week, only the Dillons had raised their hand, but I saw a couple more, and I was just curious what difference a week would make. I've seen a lot of posts on Facebook where it says, like, um, you know, uh, 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 don't judge me because I decorated for Christmas. Like, people are concerned about judgment for it, but just got to be proud of who you are because Christmas is coming, and we really could celebrate it every single day because Christ is so central to who we are. But we're taking a deep breath here at Hope before the craziness of the holidays begin to remember all that we have to be thankful for. So last week we focused on gratitude and counting our blessings versus our burdens and turning our blessings into praise instead of pride. And this week we are talking about generosity. Help, to help prepare our minds, I want to ask you a question. Do you live with more of an abundance or a scarcity mindset? Do you feel you have more than enough or that you have never have enough? Keep that question and your answer to it in the back of your mind as we go through this morning because it is kind of the perspective, our starting point, on where we're at. Now, I think there's a lot of generosity confusion out there. Like, how generous can I be while still holding on to plenty for me, right? So that I can be comfortable in all areas of my life. And we play this game. I want to be generous, or at least appear to be generous, but I also don't want to sacrifice anything. But sometimes we want to be generous, but we just don't know how to be generous. We want to be generous to our friends with our time and help them out because they're struggling. So we want to make them a meal. But we don't know if they just went grocery shopping, their fridge is full of food, or what uh, dietary restrictions they have, or if they're currently no carbs or some carbs or all carbs. It's always the carbs. And we, if they have kids, we don't know what their kids are going to eat or not. The reality is if they're young kids, they're probably not going to eat anything and somehow they survive anyway. I don't get it. But we have these good, generous intentions, and we could call the person and find all this out, but then we don't want to be a bother. And so a good, generous intention remains an intention and never moves into a generous act. There's other ways we're confused with generosity, too. What in the world has happened to the rules of tipping? Does anyone know how much to tip nowadays? Now, 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 certain things are pretty standardized, but what about this one? When you order food and you go to pick up takeout, and you go to the little takeout counter person, and you already paid for your food, and they just hand you a bag, and then your check and tip, I'm like, how much do I tip this person? Now, I understand the rules for a server, because their, you know, their money is less that they get paid, and they live off their tips. But this person at the counter, I don't know if they get paid a normal wage or a lesser wage. So do I give a dollar? Do I give 15, 20%? I don't know. Do you? Does anyone here know? Just like raise your hand. You don't have to tell us. Just do you know? 
okay, Laura knows. Is that Laura? It's really sunny back there. Yeah, we got to talk because I need to know. We'll put in the bulletin or something because this would help us out. At my, where I get my hair cut, they have an automated iPad checkout thing. And they have four options for your tip. The least amount is a 40% tip for your haircut. Now, you can press other. <laughs> you hit other, and then you have to do the math, and then you kind of type in a lesser amount. And of course, your hairstylist is standing right there looking at you. So when I get my haircut, I have become a very begrudgingly generous tipper. Because <laughs> I just don't want to be judged. Because I want to appear generous. There's a lot of confusion. But I believe, if it even existed back then, that Jesus must have been an amazing tipper. Why do I think that? Because God is incredibly, incredibly, overwhelmingly generous and gracious. In fact, if we were to act as generous as our God is generous, you would probably call us irrationally generous. What word is at the heart of who God is. It's love. God is love. And what do we learn about God's love? That it is generous. That's what grace is after all. It's this generous, undeserved, freely to us, but costly to him, love that brings with it peace, forgiveness, wholeness, reconciliation. And what has God called us to? To love God and to love neighbor. Do you think that kind of love is the selfish, stingy type of love? I don't think it is. Because love in its very essence is not selfish, especially biblical godly love as we read about in God's word. It's this abundant love grounded in relationship. To love radically, just as Jesus did, means to live with radical generosity in every area of our lives. So what does it mean to live with radical generosity? It means giving back to God what we have of value. And friends, we have a lot of value. We give it back, not out of any kind of obligation, but it's out of love and gratitude and deep thanksgiving that we give. And we do so accepting that the return, kind of like an investment, the return or blessing is always greater than the sacrifice. And when we live generously, there is always sacrifice. So we are called to live with radical generosity because our God is radically generous. Think about it. God owns everything. Everything is his. It's all his. We are simply called to be stewards of it, caretakers of it. And what is God's most generous gift? It's Jesus. Jesus is God's most generous gift. And this gift was given completely out of a place of love. This can all be summed up with the most famous verse out there in the most potent summary of why Jesus came in John 3.16. Why don't we read this out loud together? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
this verse is so known, it almost threatens to lose its power because of its familiarity. But remembering this is so, so important. It is so life-changing. Jesus is God's most generous gift of love. He gave his son. He willingly sent him away from perfection in heaven, the best place in all of creation, right at the Father's side with the Holy Spirit, where he has been since the very, 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 very beginning. And he chose willingly to leave it all. Philippians, Paul puts it this way in Philippians 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, who always exists for the other, being made in human likeness. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ left it all behind to enter the world as a human. Just try and wrap your mind around that incredible fact. It's unfathomable for us. There's no experience we can have that would be the same as that. Jesus left his kingdom in heaven and the glory he had there to take on human flesh. This alone would have been enough to make him the most generous person to ever walk on earth. But we also know he did so much more than that. That one act by God was maybe the greatest encapsulation of God's radical generosity. But it wasn't an isolated incident. It's simply who he is. How was Jesus generous? With his time, his gifts, his forgiveness— Indeed, with his very life. You see, with his time, just read any of those passages in the Bible about him spending time with people. I think specifically of John 4, 6 through 40. He meets the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. The beginning of the passage, it says this, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, he sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Back in the day, it was so hot here they would often get up well before the sun rose to begin their day's journey, to get as far as they could before the heat of the midday sun made it unbearable. Well, this is midday. He is weary and tired from the long walk. We're talking hours and hours and hours of walk. They did not have supportive shoes either, might I add. And he sits down about noontime. But what does he do? He is patient with the woman at the well, he takes time during the hottest part of the day to meet one-on-one, -on -one, heart to heart. And check this out. It's a long passage. It's a long conversation. The woman eventually goes to the village to tell about Jesus and what he has done, what he has said. They come back with her and says, when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in the village. 
So he stayed there for two days. Jesus was incredibly generous with his time. He was also generous with his gifts. Think of any of his miracles, any of his healings, any of his teaching. Those are all him sharing generously his gifts with his people. John 14, 14 says, this is Jesus, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That is generous. And we know he's incredibly generous with his forgiveness. Because his word tells us that he forgives each and every one of us, if we believe in him, each and every one of our sins. Imagine piled up each and every sin of every person who believes in God for their entire lives. It's a crazy amount. Think of all the sins from just this morning. It would already be a crazy amount. And yet God, if we believe in him, forgives them all. He's incredibly generous with his forgiveness. Just as this passage shows us, whoever believes in him, they will not perish. Not might not, it's a will not perish, but they will have eternal. That means forever, never going away. You can never lose it, life. And indeed, Jesus was generous with his very life. Every single second of his time here on earth was spent for others. Ultimately, it led to his greatest sacrifice, his life when he died. The ultimate sacrifice after an entire life of sacrifice. When Jesus said, it is finished, he had poured out his last, a life of generosity all for those he loved. Everything he did was for God and God's people. That Philippians verse we shared a little bit ago, that's not the beginning of the passage. So we're going to back up and now see what Paul is writing before he talks about Jesus humbling himself and entering the world. It says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, and if you believe in him, we are indeed united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Living like Jesus means living a life of radical generosity. And it means giving your all in all areas of your life. It means giving back to God what we have of value. And what is it that we have of value? Well, they're very similar to what Jesus has. The first is our time. Another way to put it is our presence when we're with others. You see, our time is the most precious resource that we have. That also means it is one of the most valuable gifts that we can give to someone. Just think about how meaningful it was for you in your life when someone 
set time aside in their day to spend with you when you needed it. You can't put a price on that gift. It's simply a matter of our priorities because in this world, everything moves faster and everything is more scheduled and busier. But it's a matter of our priorities and what we choose to give this resource of our time to. So how can we be generous with our time? Another thing of value we have are our words. See, words create power, they create death, they create life. With just one sentence, we can build someone up and make their day, and with just one sentence, we can crash it down and ruin it. So what does it look like to be radically generous with our words? to be radically encouraging and appreciative of those in our lives. Sometimes we think we're encouraging. I was challenged once by someone to say, figure out how to encourage someone as much as you can think of, and then you double that, and that's how much encouragement that person needs. I try to annoy people with how much I try to encourage them. People laugh because they've experienced it. <laughs> like, stop it. Like, okay. And that's my challenge and encouragement for all of us because, come on, life is so hard, right? Every single day, we need these pick-me-ups. And God may have given you a word that that person needs to hear. Our words are highly valuable. Sometimes those words are words of forgiveness, too, just like Jesus. What else do we have of value? Well, our money our resources. So I'd like to ask Bob, Deacon, come on up, talk about money. I'm kidding. <laughs> Pastor Kevin must be crazy to be talking about money up here. But this is the reality. It is one of our resources that God has blessed us with. And what does the Bible tell us about our money? If we don't give, we miss out on so many blessings that come with giving. You see, giving of our money and our resources, especially in the church, it's not a financial matter. It is a heart and spiritual matter. It is a spiritual directive put out for us in the Bible. We give because all we have is his. We give not to pay just the bills, but to honor God by trusting that he will provide when you choose to give him his first fruits. We give because it forces us to rely on God rather than on ourselves. We give because we believe the church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world, and through it, God's goodness and grace will spread throughout this community. And biblically, we are called to give of our first fruits, the very best of what we have, back to God, because it is all his to start with with a biblical guide that encourages a 10% tithe to begin with as a starting point, with the encouragement to grow that. So if you're not yet giving 10%, the Bible does give us a clearly defined goal for you to work on this year. Who loves just talking about money in church? I don't. I, want, I do not want to be up here talking about this. It's weird to talk about. It's awkward. But Jesus talked about it, so we have to talk about it. Because while it might pay the bills, it's first and foremost a discussion about the condition of our hearts. 
So what does it look like for us to be radically generous with these blessings that we have been given? What else is of value? Well, our gifts and our talents. Who you are is your gift from God for others. I kind of like that. Who you are is your gift from God for others. You are called, you are gifted, and you are placed where you are to be salt and light. So do not withhold your blessing by keeping your gift of yourself to yourself, but use those gifts to the glory of God and the benefit of others. And finally, our very lives are of value. And we are called to live as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Life, it, it is defined not by how much we have, how much stuff or money uh, that we have. The life of a Christian is defined by how much we give away. How much love, how much time, how much encouragement and support, how much of our riches and wealth, How much of our gifts, our passions, and talents, how much of our lives have we given generously for the cause of Christ? Jesus Christ gave it his all. He gave it not out of obligation, but he gave joyfully. And we are also called to give it our all in every facet of our lives to be generous. For we know our lives are not our own but indeed belong body and soul to Jesus Christ. So we will live to give it all back to him. As we wrap this up, let's consider this question together. How are we blessed to be a blessing? How has God blessed you? And how has he asked you to share those blessings? In what areas out of these ones we talked about do you need to give it your all? Or maybe you're feeling a little convicted today that you need to give it some in some of these areas because it's been dormant for a little while. Which of these five areas is weakest in your life right now and you need to commit to increase your generosity? See, last week we talked about counting our blessings and we know we have so much to be grateful for. But God does not bless us so we can spoil ourselves. He blesses us to be a blessing. And Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And we have received so much. He did not give us our health, our gifts, our finances, so we can be selfish. He gave us all we have so that we might bless the world in God's name and expand the kingdom. And we can be radically generous without fear because we can trust God will provide and bless our sacrifice. Because he's an abundant God. There's this guy named Gary Hogue. He's called the generosity monk. He he says it this way. God's generosity changed us from death to life, from slavery to freedom, from hopelessness to joy. When we share it with others, it has the same effect. Because the reality is this, what we keep is all we have, but what we give away, God multiplies. You got it. What we keep is all we have, 
but what we give away, God multiplies. Think about the five loaves and two fishes, how that was multiplied, right? So what are we going to do as God's people here at Hope Church? We are going to live radically generous, as radically generous as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And when we are faced with sacrifice, we will trust and believe that God is good, that God provides, that he is worth giving it all for because we know that he joyfully gave it his all. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for being such a generous God, for all the ways that you share your gifts with us day in, day out, for simply the fact that you love us, despite all the times we turn our back on you, shows the depth of your generosity. So Lord, we thank you for that. And God, we do pray this morning that as we think about generosity, that you don't allow us to feel any level of guilt or shame, but you simply let us see how in our lives we are generous and we are called to increase our generosity. Lord, we thank you for your grace that in its very nature is generous and abundant and does not retreat from us. Lord, we pray that even now you speak to each of us the very words we need to hear from you this day to step closer to you and to look more like you. And we give you thanks that we're not alone in this, but we have the power of your spirit to guide and empower us, and we have your community to encourage us and build one another up as well. So for all this, we give you thanks, God. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.